Hi, and welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. So today we'll continue the discussion of Apollo's children, all their stories and their descendants. Uh, This will be part 4 of the Apollo sequence, and this will also be rather dense, um, but hopefully we can slog through it all. Before we get started, I wanted to address an error that was pointed out to me by a friend in episode 4.2 of season 1. We talked about Kyone, the daughter of Boreas, who bore to Poseidon a man named Eumolpus. I said incorrectly that he raped Benthesicome, the daughter of Poseidon to whom he was entrusted, but in reality, he raped his sister-in-law, who is seemingly not named and is actually the daughter of Benthesicome. So yeah, that was just a mistake I made, and I wanted to make sure that I cleared that up before we moved on forward. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So the first child we're going to talk about today is named Eleuther slash Eleutherus, just kind of depends, I guess, on where you see the name. He was a son of Apollo and Ithusa, this daughter of Poseidon and Alcyone. And besides being regarded as the like eponymous founder of Eleutheri in Boeotia, he was the first person to erect a temple in honor of Bacchus slash Dionysus, which he did at Eleutheri. So that's a pretty important thing, I think, in terms of a more cultural context, um, that it seems kind of random in terms of just a mythological, like, oh, okay, he was the first one to do it. But like, yeah, in a cultural context, that's like not too surprising. Um, getting like a fame to claim is something a lot of uh, cities and towns will do. So if this is true, I mean, that is a pretty good thing to be like, hey, we did this. So yeah, then we have Yamus. He was a child of Apollo and Vadni, this daughter of Poseidon and Patane. And so when Evadne became pregnant due to Apollo raping her, her foster father Ipetus, son of Elatus, and king of the Arcadians of Phaisane, went to the oracle at Delphi for advice. Ironic. He found out it was a child of Apollo, so he was content, but then on his return he could find no one who knew of the child. Either out of shame or to avoid the trouble she suspected, Evadne bore the child with the help of the fates and Eletheia and left him in a thicket. Then, miraculously, two snakes came and fed him honey. Eventually, he was found by Evadne, and I guess she decided to look for his, like, corpse or something. I guess she just assumed he'd be dead and was surprised to see him sleeping soundly among violets, which is where he gets his name. Ipetus was pretty chill with the child being back because the Oracle of Delphi said he would be the ancestor of a famous line of prophets. Then, one night, when he had grown up, Yamas, that is, he went into the waters of the Alpheus, or merely at like the banks, and prayed to be told what the future had in store, having invoked Apollo and Poseidon. Then, Apollo answered him and told him to follow the sound of his voice, till he eventually led him to the hill of Cronus at Olympia, in Elis. There, he was given the ability to explain like the language of birds, foretell events, and interpret the omens of sacrificial victims. Allegedly here, he was also told to wait there for Heracles to come establish the Olympic Games. Um, whether that's true or not, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if the like uh, timelines line up line- like lineage-wise, although I guess in myth you never really want to think about timelines too much. But yeah, so that's just like another thing. And his line is generally famous and is known as the Yonids, but there are no explicit children listed or denoted anywhere. Next, we have Idmon. Idmon was either a son of Asteria, daughter of Coronus, a Boeotian king, or of Cyrene, daughter of Hypsaeus, making him a brother of Aristius. Either way, 
it is very firmly repeated that his mortal father was Abbas, son of Melampus and Lysippi. He was a seer and joined the Argonaut expedition even though he knew he was fated to die. Apollo taught him the art of prophecy, augury, and the divining of omens from burnt offerings. His journey sometimes claims he made it to Colchis in the Argonaut story, but usually it is said he died in the land of the Mariandini to a boar. Um, and his companions mourned him for three days before planting a wild olive tree on his grave, and much later the founders of Heraclea were told by Apollo to found their city around this tree and honor Idmon as their protector. Lucky for him, he was survived by a child. Before we go into this child, I just wanted to clear up if there was possibly confusion by the way I worded it. So Idmon is a son of Apollo. Um, just a mortal father means like, okay, like this was like the mortal father, whether or not that was necessarily the actual biological father so yeah that's that's what, how myth keeps it interesting so let's dive into who his son is so he had a son named thester by leothoe according to a scolium on the argonautica by Ap apollonius of rhodes and thester was a priest of apollo and by polymela slash polymele according to some seats homeric allegories he had leukippi theone Calchas, and sometimes Theoclymenus, according to Hyginus. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird that he's a priest of Apollo and had kids. I mean, if you like, look at the uh, Aeneid, the whole thing in the Trojan War was that Eleocoon gets punished for like breaking his priestly vow by having kids, but seemingly that's not a thing here. So I guess we'll just act like nothing happened. So then let's go into his children. So first we'll talk about Theone. Um, although I usually try to follow the order of the list I give, uh, Theone's story involves Leukippi and Thester, so I figured it'd just be better to start with her. Um, this story's all in Hyginus and his fabulae. So Theone was playing by the sea when she was snatched by pirates and was brought to Caria, where she was sold as a concubine to the Carian king Icarus. Thester then set out to search for her when he shipwrecked in Caria and was brought there as a prisoner. Then, after he failed to return, Leukippi went to the Delphic Oracle to figure out what to do. She was told to dress herself as a priest of Apollo, and then make her way through the entire earth. Finally, she also came to Caria, where her sister Theone fell in love with her, thinking she was a man. Since the love was not naturally returned, Theone ordered that the priest should be killed, with Thester as the executioner. As Thester was going to kill the priest, he recognized his two daughters, and Icarus, the, like, Carian king to whom she was a concubine, uh, gave presents to all three of them and sent them to their home in Corinth, possibly due to Asteria's great-grandfather being Sisyphus. Maybe that's, like, the reason behind why that happened. Yeah, that is, like, a really bizarre story, honestly. Um, a lot of, uh, comedy of errors, maybe, is the way of thinking about it. Next, we have Calchas, uh, and we'll leave all his Trojan War exploits for another time and discuss just the pre and post. So when Agamemnon, son of Atreus and Iropi, came to Megara to convince him to accompany the Greeks, he actually built a temple to Artemis, ironic, for Calchas, as he may have been the priest of hers, although it's not exactly completely clear. Um, now we're just going to skip everything Trojan War related and talk about post-Trojan War, so with Amphilochus, son of Amphiarius and Eryphile, or son of Alcmeon and Manto, although probably the former makes more sense. Actually, I have no judgment on whether or not that is true. Um, 
Leontius, son of Coronus and Cleobule, Podalerius, son of uh, Asclepius and Epione, and Polypoetes, son of Pirithous and Hippodamia, he left Troy with all of them, and their vessel crashed on the coast of Asia Minor, Asia Minor, at Colophon, or they left by foot and ended up in the same place. There, they met Mopsus, son of Apollo and Manto, Arachius and Manto, who we're going to talk about in the next episode. Uh, he was, So Mopsus is also like a very famous seer. And so Calchas must have had like flashbacks being this guy because he was told by an oracle, perhaps Hellenus, son of Priam and Hecuba, that he would die if he were out-divined by a seer. I guess like who could see better into the future? But for some reason, Calchas challenges the dude and first asks him how many figs were on the fig tree near Mopsus's house. Now, I don't understand how that has anything to do with sight and prophecy. I mean, sight for sure, but prophecy just doesn't add up. And Mopsus correctly stated there were 10,001 bushels with one fig left over. That must have been a massive tree. And apparently someone counted this because the madman was correct. Then Mopsus asked Calchas how many piglets a pregnant sow would produce. Now this, sow, 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 not sure, S-O-W. I'm now really doubting how you pronounce it. Anyways, so he asked this, right? And this, this is like a prophetic thing, you know, like, can you predict what's about to happen tomorrow? So Calchas incorrectly said eight, and Mopsus decided to end his career um, because he correctly predicted there would be nine, but more than that, he said that they would be bored on the next day at the sixth hour, and the mad lad was correct. This led to Calchas committing suicide out of vexation, envy, or a broken heart, or at, like, being out divined, um, and then he was buried by his companions at Notion slash Notium near Colophon. Now, there are a couple other, um, Calchas stories that I want to talk about, uh, this first one is the same Calchas, just I'll repeat it again on the second one, that it's not necessarily sure whether this, the, this is the same Calchas as like the Trojan War Calchas. So just keep that in mind, because uh, names being similar but not being specified is a unfortunately common thing in myth. So, in one version, according to Conan, I think he's like a mathematician or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Something about Lacaberenice, Climacus Catullus, check it out. Pretty sure he's a mathematician. Um, he... A king of Lycia was debating whether to invade an enemy or not. Mopsus said no, but Calchas said yes, and the king went and did it. And then uh, he got completely destroyed, and Mopsus's reputation got enhanced while Calchas's obviously went in decline because he just got an entire king and his army destroyed. Actually, I think the king survives, but like the army destroyed, and he committed suicide out of despair. Great. Um... Now, our second story, this one may not be the same Calchas, so just keep that in mind. Um, and if you know a lot of myth, I guess I don't know what a lot is defined as, but if you know this coincidentally specific story, a different story, you'll recognize this one. Um, so Calchas apparently had planted a vine in a grove sacred to Apollo in the woods of like Grinium and Mycia. Uh, you know, like grow wine, and a seer who lived nearby told him he would never drink his wine. Time passed, the vine bore grapes, and Calchas got his new wine and invited the neighbors and the seer. The seer reminded him, again, you know, like you're never going to drink your wine, and Calchas laughed so hard he choked and died before the cup could meet his lips. I don't understand how anything could be that funny that you die. Like, you know, you, you can get like 
something being funny and like laughing really hard, right? Like that's a staple. Like you're on the ground, you're wheezing, you're wishing you could breathe, but like dying, dude. That's like a that's like, that seems like such a low chance. That has to be like a record, you know? Like how many times does that happen? Very few. It has to be very few. I'm actually gonna research this after I record this and find out. So Ion is the next son, and I wish we could talk about him, but he has this really massive connection to this really important section, and literally, if I, like, talk about him, I mean, I guess individually he won't cover too, too much, but, like, I will feel obligated to give, like, all the context of everyone else, and it will just become a disaster, so we're gonna leave it. We're gonna leave it. We're gonna get back to it eventually. Just know there's a kid named Ion. Ismenos. So he was the son of Melia and Oceanid and Apollo. We already talked about her story in the Oceanids episode in season one, so I'll just do a brief recap. Apollo kidnapped her. Oceanus sent his son Caanthus to find her. Unable, he burned a grove sacred to Apollo and was killed by Apollo. Even though, like, honestly, I don't know why Apollo would kill him. Like, that's like pretty justified rage. Anywho, um, so. Ismenus gave his name to the river, which was originally called Ladon and Boeotia, and he also had two daughters who were Theban Springs named Dersi and Strophia. Things to know. Next, we have Laodicus. He was a son of Apollo and Phthia, uh, who was along with his brothers ruled like who along with his brothers ruled the land of the Curates until they welcomed Aetolus, son of Endamion and Neus Sashifianasa, who dumpstered all of them and killed them. Finally, but certainly not least, we have Lapithae slash Lapithus. He will make up the rest of this episode um, just because he decided to have a lot of kids who decided to have a lot of kids who decided to have a fair amount of kids. Um, and yeah, it, we'll just detail all of it. So he is a son of Apollo and Stilbe, and sometimes said to be Stilbe, Stilbe, and sometimes said to be the brother of Centaurus, according to Diodorus Siculus. But we will leave that to be, as usual, a son of Ixion by Orsinome, a daughter of Eurynomus, Lapithae slash Lapithus fathered Paraphos, Phorbos, Triopos, Lesbos, and Diomede. He was eponymous for the Lapiths, and when he died, his Thessalian kingdom was passed on to Phorbos and Paraphos. So yeah, we can first move on to Paraphos. Um, so Paraphos was a Thessalian king who married Astyaguya. That is probably insane to try spelling based off of just hearing me. A-S-T-Y-A-G-Y-I-A. A daughter of Hypsaeus, who is like Paraphos's granduncle and who they had, uh, depends on your version, uh, so either he fathered Antion and Eurygonia and six other children, or he fathered Elatus. So we're gonna first go over the Antion version. So if he did father Antion, Antion is said to have been the father of Ixion by Perimela slash Perimeli, daughter of Emathion, son of Cretheus and Tyro. Ixion. So Ixion has some whack parentage. Um, sometimes he's said to be the son of Phlegios, the son of Ares and Dota slash Chrysi, or of some Iton, or of some Pision. Um, just keep Antion in mind for now. That's usually like the way people remember it also because like Antion, Ixion, the Eon ending, 
although I guess it's not extremely uncommon, but that's usually how people remember it. Anywho, he married Dia, daughter of Aeoneus or Deoneus, depending on your version, and after promising he would gift much to the king, um, he didn't really follow through. So they got married, um, but no gifts were provided, and Deoneus took his mares as security, waiting for the multitude of gifts he had initially promised, and that's why he had given his daughter over, you know. So spoiler alert, he don't got no gifts. So he promised his father-in-law to pay him in full if he would come visit. And so the guy did. And then Ixion was like, you know what? I'm not going to try figuring out how to produce gifts. I'm just going to throw this man into a fiery pit filled with burning coal and make myself the first person to murder a family member in myth. And it's like, what? What? Yeah, anyway, so that's just a thing. Yeah, that that's like kind of what he's most famous for. But then it gets even better. So no one was willing to purify him, right? This is the first time someone's committed such a like sacrilegious act and no one except Zeus. Odd. Um, so Zeus uh, actually, or seemingly, I guess not actually, seemingly had the hots for Dia. And he was like, oh, if I purify this guy, then like... I'm good. And so he purifies Ixion. And then Ixion decided the best way to repay Zeus was to rape Hera. So he tried. And he didn't rape Hera necessarily, but rather a cloud form version of Hera uh, fashioned by Zeus, who was named Nephili, which is pretty much the Greek word for cloud, and fathered upon her Centaurus, or the OG Centaurs, just depends on your version. As to how that makes any sense, don't ask me. I'm usually willing to answer questions, but just don't ask me. I don't know, don't really want to think about it, don't really understand it. So, naturally, Zeus was enraged, um, and he decided, okay, that's kind of it, and he put the man on a winged and fiery wheel that's Fury, I think, maybe, and that wheel that spun forever in Tartarus. So he's just strapped to this wheel, and it's just going. Like, how do you not just throw up constantly? Anywho. So, um, also by Dia, though, Ixion possibly fathered Perithous, um, but maybe it's Zeus, because we already detailed, you know, Zeus kind of had the hots for Dia, so it wouldn't be the most surprising. Anywho. So we then have Centaurus. So Centaurus, um, usually said to a father upon like these uh the magnesian mares is how they're put um magnesia is just kind of like a region on the coast of thessaly which is where like lavathus rules and uh so i guess he had sex with a bunch of mares and that's where the centaurs came about and that's where they eventually called their home we'll discuss individual centaurs as relevant stories come up it's not really worth individually trying to list them all in their stories now and then we have perithous so, Perithous is sometimes said to have been, like, the son of just some random Ipetus, but honestly, knowing that's probably bad for your health, so just forget it. Um, keep it in, like, the back, like, the very back, but do not try retaining that. Like, that's just not useful. I don't know why I mentioned that. Um, so, he was a king of the Lapiths in Thessaly, near Larissa, and the centaurs, as they were also descendants of Ixion, demanded some share of the kingdom, but Perithous said no, and they fought and reached an agreement eventually as to how, don't, I don't know. Um, he also became friends with the hero Theseus, son of Aegeus and Aethra. 
allegedly by stealing his flock to test if Theseus lived up to his fame, but then they were stunned by each other's beauty when they saw each other, leading to Prithous declaring himself as Theseus' slave to make up for like him stealing his flock, and Theseus just said, like, ah, forget about it, and they just became good friends. So I guess, like, is this, like, the whole thing, like, hot people know hot people? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But that, that is something to keep in mind, is their beauty is what brought them together, which is very beautiful. And apparently Perithuis also took part in the Caledonian boar hunt um, and pretty much did nothing. So we'll go to his wedding, which is probably one of the more famous weddings in myth, but not really for, like, the gods attending. So he was to marry Hippodamea, daughter of Bootes, or Adrastus and Amphithea, and he invited the centaurs over to the wedding as well as the Lapiths. He invited centaurs naturally because, like, they're his relations, I guess, like, cousins, or I guess nephews. Nephews, yeah. And, well, the centaurs got crunk. Yeah, they, they really did. Um, and so Eurytion slash Eurytus, a centaur, tried to rape Hippodamea and carry her off, leading to a massive battle known as the Lapids versus the Centaurs, where Theseus and Prithuis, alongside the Lapids, fought off the Centaurs, Hippodamea and Prithuis, so like obviously they end up uh, winning. Um, Hippodamea and Prithuis have polypoetes, but unfortunately his story does not end here. Usually if that is the case, that just means stuff goes downhill. So he and Theseus swore they would marry the daughters of Zeus, so Prithuis first helped Theseus kidnap 12-year-old Helen. Don't know how that makes any sense. And then he and Theseus went to the underworld via the entrance at Tynarum to kidnap Persephone, a goddess. Like, what? So I guess they're not that smart. Anyways, Hades already knew exactly what was up and invited them to sit down and, you know, eat. And they sat down in the chairs of forgetfulness where Prithuis and Theseus ended up being stuck for a very long time, but then eventually Heracles came and got Theseus, but Perithous was stuck there forever. Now, this is not really something you need to know. This is more like a, oh, this is pretty interesting. So there tends to be like euhemeristic versions of stories where uh, people try to explain like why this story is even known or why is this story a thing? And it's like, oh, because like if you look at history, there were like people who were named yada yada, and this is actually what happened. And then like it got uh, like greatly uh, thrown out of order, or I guess hyperbolized until it became like you know a big myth story. So the two men in question still are here, and they went to the court of Hydoneus. Sounds a lot like Hades, I guess if you think about it. And to get his daughter, Cory, hmm, what are the odds that Persephone's, like, other name, I guess, is, like, known name is Cory, um, but then also eventually to get his wife, Persephone. This seems too made up. I have to be completely real. This humoristic version seems way too made up. So the king realized the plot to kidnap both Cory and Persephone and not just the request for Cory's hand, and he fed Perthuis to their dog aptly named Kerberos. And then Hesius, Hesius, Theseus was arrested until one day Heracles, a friend of the family, freed him just as he had from the chair of forgetfulness in the underworld. This new hemoristic version seems way too likely. Like, because 
it would seem to also then imply like these are the characters that are Hades and Persephone, right? Like you don't just randomly get people like this and people don't randomly name themselves after gods and also like do well. Like that doesn't occur very often. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's ridiculous, but that's just a thing to know. So we already mentioned his son Polypoetus earlier, just like, you know, like, oh, that's the son of Perithous, but we're going to talk about Polypoetus later because just the context of the Trojan War will not make much sense. Next, we have Elatus. So he, by Hippie, or Hippea, um, a daughter of Antippus, fathered Dotus, Polyphemus, possibly, Ampicus, and Kynus. Sometimes he's also said to be the father of Iscus, the mortal with whom Corona slept with, which, like, angered Apollo, and then he killed her, and, like, it's Hermes, maybe, or I guess in that story it'd be Mercury, like, saved uh, Asclepius from the ashes. It's that Coronis. Um, but, like, a lot of myths, there tends to be an Arcadian and then, like, a Lapith um, counterpart. So that's where, like, Lapithian, maybe that's a thing. So that's, like, what probably happened here with the book supposing it, is that, like, it's just the two stories getting uh, mixed up. Anywho, let's get into the children. So Dotus, she by Ares, was said to have been the mother of Phlegios, who we actually mentioned earlier. And so Phlegios we already briefly discussed in part one of Apollo, but we're going to go into a lot more depth, depth now. So he's said to have been the father of Ixion, as well as Coronis, the mother of Asclepius. Just depends on your version. And he apparently was like a super warlike guy, um, which I guess makes sense, you know, Ares. Uh, although Ares in Greek, uh, okay, anywho, anywho. Uh, so he founded a city named Phlegia or Phlegia, uh, after he said to have succeeded to the throne of Orchomenus after Teocles died, uh, childless and recruited the most warlike people possible. So like, no, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that reference. Uh, and then, and then Crises, his nephew succeeded him. If you remember that massive throwback to the huge boy ocean or communist section I had, and he is said to have tried lighting, he being Phlegias, is said to have tried lighting the Temple of Apollo at Delphi on fire, which is why he's forever punished in the underworld, as we hear about from Virgil. According to Apollodorus, though, he died because he was killed at Euboea by Lycus and Nycteus, children of Chthonius the Spartoi, Hyraeus and Clonia, perhaps, or Poseidon and Kalino. So it just depends on your version. Um, we hear about that version from Virgil, the lighting apollo's temple at delphi on fire and then apollodorus gives a different version so maybe it's just different traditions being maintained next we have polyphemus allegedly poseidon may be his divine father while the mother remains the same um he's said to have married laonome or launome sister of heracles according to Setses or Setses? i don't even know how you stress that like Setses's uh commentary on lycophagus Lycophron, that thing's a disaster to try reading through. Um, and so he is recounted by Nestor as one of the strongest fighters of the earlier generation and of the Lapiths uh, in like the Iliad, although there are like a fair amount of people who are recounted as that. And he was an Argonaut who left the ship with Heracles to look for Hylas, um, but then he ended up remaining in Mycia where he founded the city of Chios and died later in a war against the like Chalybes, the Chalybes, I don't know, C-H-A-L-Y-B-E-S, 
choose to pronounce that how you will. Next, we have Ampicus slash Ampix. So he was possibly a son of Elatus or of Tataron or of Ares. Um, either way, he's really only known for being the father of Mopsus by Chloris. So Mopsus, he was a warrior seer from Thessaly. He took part in both the Caledonian boar hunt and the Battle of the Lapids and the Centaurs. Um, usually he's said to have been able to divine the future in the flight of birds, which had been taught to him by both his own father and Apollo. And while the Argonauts were in Libya, he died of a snake bite and gave his name to the Thessalian town of Mopsion. So yeah, that's just a little uh, fun thing to know about one of the Argonauts. But yeah, this is a different Mopsus from the one that Calchas dueled different parents, just same exact names. Next, we have Kynus. So according to Ovid, she was actually the daughter of Atrox. Either way, she was a super beautiful woman who refused to have a husband and was one day raped by Poseidon when he saw her on the seashore. Afterwards, because Poseidon's just such a great person, he offered her any one wish. Like, what? And uh, she chose to become an invulnerable man as to never such suffer such a hideous assault again. So she was changed as such and became the man Kynaeus, which is where you'll find uh, this story in, like, dictionaries. I don't know why my voice just got like that. And he became a leader of the Lapiths and fought during the battle with the centaurs, where due to his invulnerability, he killed many centaurs before they buried him alive with fir trees and rocks. Kynaeus then either was turned into a bird with, a sh with shining wings, a woman again, or a flamingo. It is interesting to note that Mopsus, who was at the battle, actually noted the bird was Kynaeus transformed. Sometimes, though, it is said the reason Kynaeus got dunked on is because the center Latrius mocked Kynaeus, having found out he was formerly a woman, and Kynaeus beat him up for this, leading to the centaurs ganging up on him. In another version, Kynaeus had actually set up a spear in a uh, marketplace and told the Lapiths to swear their oaths by it as if it were a divine, divine symbol. Then, he never sacrificed to any other gods as if he were a god, which never ends well, and then Zeus got the centaurs to dumpster him. He apparently also had a son named Coronis, although it is not clear when this happened. Like, just not anywhere. Anywho. Cronus, so he left his home Girton to sail with the Argonauts. Later, he and his people got into a border dispute with the Dorians under King Igimius, whom Heracles helped kill, uh, whom Heracles helped kill Coronis, that is, and win the battle. He was survived by Anaxeroi and Leontius. So Anaxeroi, according to Pausanias, she by the Elean king Epeus had Hermina, who marries uh, Forbas, whom we will talk about later, as he's the other big son of um, Lapithus that we just need to cover. And then we have Leontius. So Leontius we'll discuss actually later, because uh, his exploits are mostly in the Trojan Wars. So it's not really like worth talking about it now. Now finally, we have Echocrates. The reason I have so much uh, tension and tiredness in my voice here is because Echocrates was a frustrating story to try learning about because uh, the books all suggest and like even Herodotus suggests that they like Echocrates was a descendant of Kynaeus but no one makes it clear on what the like 
lineages and then like timelines don't add up and stuff. So not really sure what's going on here, but just know this is a descendant of Kynaeus at least. Uh, allegedly could be a child of Anaxeroi, but we're not going to go with that just because uh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, like a Paisonite Anaxeroi that is. So we're just going to move on to the story. So he uh, had a son named Eetion, uh, who migrated to Corinth, where it was ruled by an oligarchy at the time, of which a man named Amphion was one of them. Amphion had a daughter named Labda, who was physically disabled, who married Eetion, since seemingly no one of like the uh, Bacchiadae, the rulers there, would. Since he seemed to have no children by his wife, Eetion went to the Oracle at Delphi and found out if he were to father a son, that son would overthrow the rule of the Bacchiadae, the oligarchy. So the oligarchy found out and decided they would kill the child. But when they visited the house, I guess the child had already been conceived and born, the child was too much of a cutie, so they couldn't even bring themselves to do it. I guess I say even, as if like I would have the steel to do that. So they left outside the home, and then they were discussing, you know, like, okay, you know, we gotta do it, we gotta do it. And Labda actually overheard and placed her son Kipselus in into a chest, who eventually came out and became a famed tyrant of Corinth. The only thing I'm going to address about Kipselus is the chest that he was in is apparently very famous. It's described by Pausanias for being made of cedar, ivory, and gold. If you're allergic to cedar, I'm sorry. So then we'll go to Forbos. So Forbos, in some versions, um, his story stops after he migrated to Rhodes, where he got rid of their snakes, their snake problems, and then was put in the sky as Ophiuchus. More often... The story goes that he went to Elis from Thessaly to help either King Apeus or Elector in a war against Pelops, king of Pisa. He then got a part of the kingdom for his help and married the, their daughter, Hermina. Mm -hmm. By her, he fathered Pronoia, Augeas, Tiphys, Actor, and Diogenea. Pronoia, she married Aetolus, son of Endymion and Asterodia, slash Chromia, slash Hyperope, slash Nea, slash Iphianasa, and bore to him Pluron and Caledon. We already talked about their lineage last episode. Next, we have Algeas. He was a king of Elis, sometimes said to be the son of Poseidon, or of Helios. Sometimes his mom, Hermina, was said to be a daughter of Nellius. Regardless, he took part in the Argonaut expedition. He didn't really take care of his horses, though, when he came back. Uh, like he didn't clean up their stables and stuff, leading to the land's fertility being completely damaged. And so Heracles came here for his fifth labor, and in front of Phileus, son of Augeas, he was promised a tenth of the herd for finishing the task of cleaning out the stables. Heracles cleaned out the stables with the rivers Alpheus and Peneus, and Augeas went back on his word. Phileus tried to like step up for Heracles, but then they were chased out um, with Phileus ending up in Dulichium and Heracles left to do the rest of his labors. Eventually, Heracles came back to raise Augeas and his city Elis. Augeas recruited his nephews the Moliones, Cateatus and Eurytus, sons of Actor slash Poseidon and Molione, and Amarynchius, son of Pateus. Heracles got a group of Arcadians to march on the city with him, but was unable to win by sheer force. So, when the Moliones were going to the Isthmian Games as ambassadors, Heracles killed them at Cleonae and then marched on Elis and raised it to the ground before leaving the throne to Phileus. Phileus just left the throne to Agasthenes, the son of Augeas, alongside the children of the Moliones. He also, uh, Augeas that is, had two daughters named Agamede and Epicoste. 
So Philius, we already talked about him last episode, so I'm not going to reiterate his story. Agasthenes, he was a king of Elis alongside Amphimachus, son of Teatus and Theronesi, and Thalpius, son of Eurytus and Theriphone. Theriphone? I don't know. Say it how you will. T-H-E-R-A-P-H-O-N-E. And by Peloris, he fathered Polyxenus, one of the suitors of Helen. Polyxenus, he was a king of Elis who went to Troy, and after Troy, let Odysseus come stay with him after the murder of his suitors, if you're familiar with the Odyssey. And he allegedly gave to Odysseus a vase on which the story of Trophonius and Agamedes uh, alongside Augeas are depicted. He had a son named Amphimachus. Amphimachus was said to have been named after Amphimachus, son of Cateatus and Theronesi, and then he just had a son named Elias. So these are all just kings of Elis, but like, there's not really much to them. Elias's significance is just that he was the king when the Heraclids assembled under the sons of Aristomachus to return the Peloponnese. That probably makes no sense right now if you don't know anything about the Heraclids. And he allegedly had a son named Dias, or Dias was just descended from him. That's also very unclear. So Dias was a king of Elis when the Heraclids invaded, and he agreed to have a duel with Oxalus via champions for the rule of Elis. His champion was the archer Degmenus, and Oxalus's was the slingshot god Perichmes, who won the duel. Luckily for Dias, he was still granted privileges by Oxalus, so he didn't completely lose out by losing this duel. Agamedes, actually honestly a pretty cool story. So she was a Greek physician who had the ability to use healing powers of all the plants that have grown up on the earth, and she was married to Mulius, the first man killed by Nestor in the battle between Pylos and Elis. But that's just like super cool, you know, like female physicians aren't, I mean, I guess female leads in any concept aren't really a big thing, but then like having like this like legendary physician is pretty neat. Then we have Epicoste. She was held as the spoils of Heracles, and after the war, she bore to him a uh, son named Thestylus, and the war being like between Heracles and Elis, if that weren't clear. So yeah, they have a son named Thestylus. Seems to be pretty obscure, though, in general, not something worth super, super knowing. Then we have Tiphys. Um, usually, he was said to be a son of Hagnios, but either way, he was the first helmsman of the Argo. He had learnt about the winds and course of stars from Athena, and he died of an illness in the land of the Mariandini. Not a great place for the Argonauts to be. Finally, but not least, uh, we have Actor. Sometimes his parents are said to be Myrmidon and Pisidice, but either way, he's known as the father of the Moliones by Molione, who were named Cateatus and Eurytus, as we talked about earlier. He is also sometimes said to be the father of Minoiteus, father of Patroclus. And sometimes he's said to have received Peleus, son of Isacus and Andeus, while he ruled at Pharis in Thessaly after Peleus had ki helped kill Phocus and then purified the man of the murder. Although I don't think these all line up very well, so I don't know if that should really be true. If these are just multiple actors, it's always very hard to tell because sometimes people don't list parentage or people miss like mismatch parentage. Anyways, we already discussed the kids. The only new context I will give is that sometimes they were said to be Siamese twins, which I think is just very interesting that that could possibly be a thing. Like, that seems like a super, you know, like, unique concept to just randomly, like, encounter in myth is that, like, there's a famous pair of, like, Siamese twins, right? Like, oh, okay, like, I guess that's a thing, you know? That, that I think, I, to me at least, that's pretty neat. Then, 
our final Lapithus son is Lesbos. And so on the order of an oracle, he went into voluntary exile on Lesbos, where he married Methymna, the daughter of King Macarius or Makar, and he gave his name to the island. That's pretty much his significance. So with that all said, that is a wrap of part four of Apollo. As you can see, his lineage has so many interwoven relationships, which is kind of disturbing, and just so much depth with depth to it that it's pretty baffling considering like how poor his pull game is. Either way, as always, I hope you had fun. I hope it was interesting, riveting, um, and fun to learn, exciting, just good information. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns, you have my email. Otherwise, I'll see you next time when we talk about Apollo one last time for part five. That will truly, truly be the last part of Apollo. Other than that, I'll see you later. Take care.